Tonight, farm workers are injured when the bus carrying them to work crashes into a ditch in Abbotsford. Plus. I'm just in disbelief, like how can this happen? Identity theft nightmare. A BC woman says she's lost $100,000 in a scam. And. Without changing the name of the park, it could potentially be forgotten. The petition to change a Langley skate park's name to honor young Carson Kremeni. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with a story that could have been catastrophic. A number of farm workers are recovering tonight after the bus taking them to work crashed in Abbotsford this morning. As Jordan Armstrong reports, it comes 12 years after another crash in the Fraser Valley that killed three workers. Paramedics and firefighters attend to the wounded on 58th Avenue near Ross Road. Meters away sits the bus, off the road, on its side, in a ditch. 36 farm workers were on the school bus when, for reasons still unknown, it rolled over at 8.30 a.m. At this time, we're unable to say what the cause of the accident is. Those on board used emergency exits to escape. Nine people were hurt. Three were transported to hospital by BC Ambulance Service with minor injuries. It's not known which farm the workers were going to, but for the BC Federation of Labour, the close call triggers memories of tragedy. I uh, immediately am reminded of the tragic 2007 uh, accident, ironically also in Abbotsford. In that case, three workers were killed and several more hurt when an overloaded farm van with no seatbelts rolled on Highway 1. And what it really reminds me of, and should remind all of us of, is the need for rigorous inspections and frequency of inspections to ensure these vehicles are, um, are properly equipped. As for Saturday's crash, the bus has been hauled out of the ditch and will be inspected by WorkSafe BC and the Commercial Vehicle Safety Enforcement Branch. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Burnaby RCMP continue to crack down on commercial drivers taking unsafe vehicles off the road. Last night, traffic enforcement officers stopped this commercial truck. Officers say they discovered seven violations and eight mechanical defects. During the stop, the truck also broke down. It's been removed from the road until it's deemed safe. Earlier this week, Burnaby RCMP and New Westminster Police inspected 21 trucks during a joint commercial vehicle check. 12 vehicles were taken off the road, 25 mechanical defects were identified, and 25 violations were ticketed. ICBC is issuing a timely reminder this long weekend for drivers to pay extra attention while on the road. It says at this time of year, 2,000 crashes kill at least five people and injure more than 600 province-wide. Those staggering numbers due in part to more vehicles on the road. It's why staying focused and avoiding distractions is so important. So we want to remind drivers a few things. First of all, it's the last weekend of summer, so we know everyone's excited. We know they want to get in that last trip of the summer, maybe a camping trip, maybe just locally doing some extra activities around town. But the bottom line is our roads and our highways are going to be a lot busier this weekend. So we want to remind people to make sure that they look around them when they're out on the highway. You're going to see a lot more bigger trucks out on the highway. You're going to see a lot more RVs. And you're also going to probably see with the nice weather this weekend, some more motorcycles. 
Fraudsters are always looking for ways to steal your identity. A Kelowna woman found that out the hard way after her ID was stolen, and she didn't find out for it about, about find out about it for about a year. As Danny Seymour reports, the crime has upended her life. I'm just in disbelief. Like, how can this happen? The question Nadia Alterio asked herself over and over again when she learned that her identity had been stolen. They even um, took money in from branch to branch and made email transfers. Um, we're talking like $4,000, $2,000. Alterio believes a woman in the Lower Mainland somehow acquired her social insurance number in September last year and has been wreaking havoc on her financial life to the tune of what she estimates to be almost $100,000, allowing the person pretending to be Nadia Alterio to get thousands of dollars in credit in her name. I'm just thinking, how is this possible? It, um, on it is a Surrey address, and that's not me. And then there's a, uh, other phone numbers as well, that's not me. And I'm just looking at this like, what is going on here? How did this happen? Alterio discovered her identity was stolen when applying to volunteer at the Kelowna Women's Shelter. As part of her application, she did a background check. The check reflected issues with her credit that she had no idea even existed. As it turns out, somebody has been living, living and making purchases, huge purchases. We're talking, it all can even add up to like over $100,000. And her attitude about the situation? No, no, no. You picked the wrong person. <laughs> the wrong person to steal their identity. No, sorry, there's only one Natty Alterio. After learning about her identity possibly being stolen, Alterio remembered getting some phone calls from banks that she thought was spam. Calls she wished she answered. If you're getting any kind of calls that are spam related, take a listen and if it's just continuous, continuous, definitely look into it. Go to that bank, look into it, and see, because you never know what you're going to find out. Danny Seymour, Global News, Kelowna. Just days after a celebration of life was held for Carson Cremeni, there's now a push to permanently memorialize the 14-year-old Langley boy. He died of a suspected drug overdose, his final moments cruelly posted to social media. Jill Bennett has more on what's being proposed. Fresh paint now covers the messages that were scrawled all over the Walnut Grove Skate Park. All of the bouquets of flowers are gone, and a few pieces of melted candle wax are the only signs of a memorial that took shape here for 14-year-old Carson Cremeni. In order to remember this and the tragedy that happened to him, um, it would be good to change the name of the skateboard park in his memory. Something's wrong with the village. Jeff McNeil was so moved after learning about how 14-year-old Carson died, he launched this petition to have the skate park named after him permanently. Without changing the name of the park, it could potentially be forgotten. So uh, it'd be a permanent reminder of what happened to Carson. It's an idea that has the full support of Carson's family. Nice way for him to be remembered, for sure. It doesn't quite bring justice, which we're still searching for, of course. Would you believe this beautiful boy? A celebration of life was held for Carson last Thursday. He was remembered as a kind, funny teen who just wanted to fit in. He died August 7th of an apparent drug overdose. After meeting some older teens at the skate park and taking drugs, it's believed they fed him. When he started going into distress, instead of helping Carson, they mocked him and recorded it on their phones. Every time more details come out, the story just gets worse and more horrific. Kremeni and his son got matching cell phones just a month 
before Carson's death. His dad called him 11 times the night he died, but his phone was later found in a nearby garbage can. I believe somebody seen it ring, seen the call display, read dad, took it from him and put it in the garbage. Cremeni believes there are still people with information vital to the investigation who haven't talked to the RCMP. As for renaming the park after Carson, the plan is to get as many signatures as possible before approaching Langley Township with the idea. Jill Bennett, Global News. People in the Kootenays are dealing with long weekend travel challenges due to a labor dispute. The popular Kootenay Lake Ferry stopped running as, as of mid-afternoon and will be down for the rest of the Labor Day weekend. The province says contract negotiations between the union representing the ferry workers and Western Pacific Marine have failed to reach a new collective agreement. Barring any emergencies, the ferry service will resume on Tuesday. The BCGEU says the job action is targeted and with the route carrying more than 1,800 vehicles a day, a strike would have a big impact. Of course, this is a controversial issue. There are people that are uh, that are fiercely uh, defensive of their ferry service, and so they don't appreciate disruptions like this, and so we don't take that action lightly. But we also know that people in this area understand the need to maintain the viability of this service, so we're getting good support in that regard. Some positive news in the ongoing effort to get spawning salmon past a major landslide on the Fraser River in the interior. The provincial government says it can now confirm that some salmon have successfully swum past the slide. It's believed nearly 18,000 salmon have made it past the barrier on their own via the natural channel that's been restored. Nearly 52,000 salmon have also been transported over the slide by helicopter to spawning grounds. Crews have also tested a new road using a five-ton truck carrying two tanks, which are set to carry fish upstream. Officials are also studying whether a second road to the base of the slide would increase access to the remote area. Many families are enjoying the last long weekend of the summer, but for some it's unofficially already the start of another school year. Hundreds of students and their parents are marking the milestone today by moving into residences at universities across B.C. Nadia Stewart reports on the move at UBC. It is an annual tradition. Just starting off because I flew over on my own yesterday and just getting to grips with everything. Because I've been at uni before, but it's going to be so different. The Labor Day long weekend, more like a labor of love for parents, helping their kids break free from the nest, luggage and frayed nerves in tow. Living alone for the first time. Not sure how it's going to work out. See, you know, just new environment. About 5,000 new and returning students are moving in this weekend at UBC. And this year, there is a new addition on campus. 140 square foot of independent living. About 70 nano units, the single occupancy $700 a month spaces are in very high demand, as student housing always is. There are 6,000 names on the school's wait list. That number more than doubling over the past eight years. Those students are all finding housing elsewhere, but they're not getting their first their first choice. Even though we've grown significantly, we've invested half a billion dollars in student housing on, on this campus alone. Uh, we're not keeping up with the demands. Three more projects are under construction. 940 beds will be added in two years, followed by an additional 600. For now, those fortunate enough to get a space are happy to call this place home. There's great community to be out here. As the start of the new school year is just days away. Nadia Stewart, Global News. We only have a couple of days left to enjoy what's become a, a Richmond institution for thrill seekers, that is. 
After more than five decades in business, Richmond Go-Karts will close its doors on Monday night. Julia Foy reports. They're loud, they're proud, and they're out to win. It was big awesome. <laughs> Drivers of all ages are drawn to the Richmond Go-Kart track, a popular attraction since the 1960s including these two friends who came together last summer over a broken down car. This is our one year anniversary reunion of friendship. I'm very excited. The go-kart park is on land leased from the city of Richmond. It was built before the agricultural land reserve was even established in 1972. So generations of fans have come here to ride the track and compete for bragging rights. I won. Oh. No, I won. I lost no, everybody. <laughs> Did you try oh, competition? Yeah, I came in second. Oh, yeah. You came in second? Who really won that? Me. My sister. We also ran into global producer Tim Perry, who comes to the track every week with his son. I think this is the last place in Metro Vancouver that has two-seater carts which means if you've got a little guy or a little girl that can't drive yet, it's not big enough to drive, you can take them for a ride. Some also consider this as a starting line to learn about rules of the road. No, you drive in the B&E, remember? That's, that's bumper cars. Uh, bumper cars, bumper yeah, cars are right. worthless. So you've had bumper car training. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think the trick in this one is you don't bump into other people, right? <laughs> yes. I felt like I was just like being thrashed around like a wag doll. And then that's when the chaos began of the crashing. But the days of casual crashing and chaos are coming to an end. The owners have decided to park the cars for good. Oh, I'm super sad. I can't believe it's leaving. We love it here. It's a great family place. I mean, we need more places like this for families. If you want to cruise into the sunset at the Richmond Go-Karts, the finish line is on Labor Day. Julia Foy, Global News. It's a retirement many of us might enjoy. He'll play tug with you if you, if you hang on to that thing. a boy, bud. Oh, what a sweetie. Abbotsford Police Service dog Duke is working his last shift before retirement. The seven-year-old German Shepherd has been fighting crime since October of 2013. During his nearly six-year career, he's caught criminals, tracked missing people, and sniffed out DNA evidence, guns, and drugs. And Duke is one of only six B.C. police dogs trained to search avalanches. He'll retire to an acreage in Abbotsford where he'll live with his partner, Sergeant Chris Scott. He's a little jacked up because we just came from a call, so stay. It will be challenging for him to not go to work every day. It's something that he's known for the, uh, for the obviously the majority of his life. And uh, as far as uh, he's concerned, he would, he would go to work every day. He's very happy. He loves working. And uh, uh, retirement for him is, uh, is going is, is to be a different stage altogether. It'll take him some transition time, but he will, uh, he will enjoy it once... Uh, uh, once he's able to just relax. <laughs> Firefighters near Victoria were recently called to save a puppy from a precarious situation. Sophia, a young Bernese mountain dog, somehow got her head stuck in her family's gate in Colwood. The fire department came to the rescue using the jaws of life to cut a portion of the gate. The puppy, still stuck in the railing, was then transported to the Wanda Fuca Veterinary Clinic, where she was sedated before the vet safely removed her. Sophia is now free and recovering at home from what is being described as Puppygate 2019.
to a developing story out of the U.S. At least five people have died in a shooting rampage in West Texas. At least 21 others are injured, including three police officers, some critically. It all began at around 6 o'clock local time when a gunman went on a deadly rampage following a routine police traffic stop. The suspect, identified as a white male in his 30s, sped off, firing at police, then randomly at motorists. He was eventually shot and killed by officers during a confrontation at an entertainment complex. So just so you know, we were on the air. Um, folks took off running here in the mall. We saw officers with guns, uh, but so far we have not seen anything. Um, folks are now coming back through the mall, but it is a mess right now. There are shoes left here on the floor. There are cups that were overturned. Um, so the active shooting forced the local CBS station in Odessa to go off the air in the middle of a live broadcast. The anchor returned to the desk, but left again moments later when the station, which shares a building with the mall where the shooting was happening, was evacuated. There are no reports that anyone with the TV station was injured. Here at home, hundreds of people gathered at Vancouver Public Library today in solidarity with Hong Kong. The Save Hong Kong rally is just the latest pro-democracy protest in Vancouver in the last few weeks. Many of them have been met with counter-protests from the pro-China camp. Organizers say it's important to keep speaking out against what they believe are Beijing's authoritarian influences. They're calling out for help. Uh, as you see, uh, the, this protest has lasted for three months and there's intensified uh, and is increasingly violent and creating a lot of chaos. Um, the police brutality is rampant. In Hong Kong, people took to the streets today in an illegal protest. Police spraying blue dye at protesters. The dye is intended to make it easier for police to identify demonstrators after the fact. Officials also threw tear gas as violence escalates in the city. Protesters responded with firebombs. It's the 13th weekend of unrest, and today marks the fifth anniversary of a decision by China's ruling Communist Party against fully democratic elections in Hong Kong. Hurricane Dorian is bearing down on the Bahamas as a fierce Category 4 storm. Forecasters say Dorian is expected to slide up the southeast coastline, staying just offshore of Florida. Still, millions in the path of Dorian are being warned to be prepared for the worst. Hurricane Dorian is still a powerful Category 4 and may strengthen, but its projected path has changed and the odds of a Florida landfall are dropping. Just because some parts of Miami-Dade are out of the cone does not mean that we will not have hazardous weather. There is a 50 to 70% chance and probability of tropical storm force winds along with possible storm surges. Dorian sustaining life-threatening winds as it marches toward the northwestern Bahamas. The island's hunkering down as it's the first in Dorian's path. After whipping the Bahamas tonight, Dorian is expected to make a sharp turn north. How close it is to the Florida coast will make a big difference of a possible landfall. Some of these impacts stretching far away from the center, we're still talking a very powerful hurricane, still could be strong winds, a lot of rain, and also storm surge. The entire coast from central Florida to the Carolinas still needs to prepare for hurricane impacts. Tankers full of fuel in Tampa trying to keep up with demand. And power crews from Pennsylvania and Texas are heading to the Sunshine State as the strike zone shifts to include both Carolinas and Georgia. In Pompano Beach, Florida, Jamie Garola, NBC News.
The man in prison for more than 50 years for the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy was stabbed in prison on Friday. Sirhan Sirhan was attacked by a fellow inmate at a San Diego correctional facility. Officials there say the 75-year-old was taken to an outside hospital and is said to be in stable condition. They add the attacker, the alleged attacker that is, has been identified and separated from the rest of the prison population. Sirhan was of course convicted of shooting Kennedy shortly after midnight on June 5th, 1968, right after the New York senator had declared victory in the California Democratic presidential primary. Sirhan is serving life in prison. He has been denied parole several times. In Health Matters tonight, teachers at one school division in Alberta are preparing to welcome back students, but not their cell phones. Elk Island Public School Division, which includes schools in Sherwood Park and Fort Saskatchewan, has banned phones, saying they want the students to take their gaze away from screens and focus on teachers instead. According to Health Canada, on average, teens get more than three hours of screen time every day, and during school, it's a major distraction. Both the Alberta and B.C. governments have said they have no plans to follow suit. Walmart has announced plans to install and test lactation pods in some of its stores. The retailer says its breastfeeding pods will be a free service and accessible by downloading an app. They say it will give a private space for mothers to breastfeed or pump breast milk. The idea was inspired by one of the store's employees, a new mother who returned to work in 2017. Policemen, um, people who are exposed to lots of heat, like firefighters, or people just on packed commuter trains, packed buses who don't have seats. New research into how to prevent fainting, something many soldiers are all too familiar with. We're going to have that for you right after we take a look at the forecast. Yvonne has that live from the PNE tonight, where it might not be too, too hot tonight. You can afford it. Come on. It's actually very comfortable, Colleen, and you can see that with the crowds that are out here this evening. It's a dry one, and we've got a bit more cloud cover rolling in. And I'm just in front of the deep-fried chicken skins. I've got a special guest uh, to help me uh, sample them, and I'll have that coming up right after the forecast. But let's take a quick glance out there. So we have seen some nice breaks. It's been very pleasant in the afternoon. Temperatures have bumped up as well for most spots into the low 20s. We're at 21 with a southwesterly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. High today for the interior. It's warmed up. We've been into the low 30s with the Soyuz at 31 degrees. And for the central interior, Prince George getting up to 19. We still have some instability for the southeastern corners, the Thompson Okanagan, the Okanagan and the Columbia. Severe thunderstorm watch. We've got a line working its way in. We've got very gusty winds potentially. And we're also looking at some rainfall pushing into the area. Now, for tomorrow morning across the south coast, it is cloud cover. A chance of showers will be for the morning and early afternoon. It'll ease off a we may still hang on to a fair bit of cloud cover for tomorrow and then it brightens up and that's for the latter half of the long weekend where we will see sunshine and temperatures are going to warm up in the long range as we head back to school Monday across the province a nice break with drier conditions the long range forecast the peak of the heat will be Tuesday Wednesday across the south coast and for the interior it'll be Wednesday Thursday Metro Vancouver we can see that with areas away from the water Tuesday Wednesday getting closer or up to 30 degrees the 
the northern half of the province tomorrow will see some drier conditions, a fair bit of cloud cover, central interior dry. It's the Colombian Kootenai that we do have some instability. The risk of thunderstorms that will pop up for eastern areas and stretching into the Fraser Valley. Whistler will be up to 21 degrees and the south coast. So we've got instability for the morning hours. Cloud cover for most areas. We do have your peony forecast, which is a chance of showers. That will be for the morning, early morning, and then long range as we look ahead for Monday to round off the long weekend. Back to school on Tuesday, sunny and dry. All right, chicken skins. And this yes. is my special guest, <laughs> Spar, is yeah. joining us. This is Jason, who's the owner. Uh, this is new to the fair this year that you've brought it. How did this come about? And it's been quite popular, I understand. It's been very popular. It's very good. And I mean, it's the best part of chicken, chicken skins. <laughs> just decided to throw them in the fire and that was it sure absolutely absolutely it is the best part okay there's no sauce no dressing for that you no, just have them plain just plain if you want you could do ketchup on it or whatever but it's nicely seasoned nicely uh deep fried so it's it's nice and crunchy it's a good meal okay squire's gonna hold this for me I'll hold, I'll hold. you'll hold hang on we'll do it this way all right you're gonna talk me through this okay well i i had some a couple a week ago, a I week think. ago, yeah. But I think the amount I had was like about an eighth of an inch. But I got the whole idea of it. You go. Oh, that's brave. That's brave. Oh, <laughs> it's good. Okay. You like? Very crispy. Yes. Very fried. Yes. But it's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, I think I would share this with a bunch of people. And I think we've got the crowd to share it with. Right. We have the I think we've got the crowd to share it with. Now, you, I heard that at the Calgary Stampede, these were like nuts. People loved them. Oh, it was phenomenal. We did, uh, we did uh, there was a, a judging, and uh, actually this is actually won by uh, the influentials, the media, uh, the people, the bloggers, the foodies. So, yeah, definitely a try. All right. We're going to share these around. Excuse me. That's yes, chicken, that's chicken, okay. Chicken, uh, came out of my mouth. Okay. Skin, skin, skin. <laughs> um, but uh, we're going to share them with the rest of the crowd. Thank you, Jason. This is a hit. You can find us at the Midway, and, uh, yeah, there's also a lot of other treats alongside. You've got some chicken. I would have tried them, but my hands are full. Oh, oh Squire! All right, Colleen. If there are some, we'll make we'll bring some back to you. Thank you. I would love to try them. Unlike Squire. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. <laughs> well, much of BC has had well lovely weather this summer. England has suffered through its second brutal heat wave of the season, and the rising mercury poses a risk of people falling down. On the hottest day of the year in London, the Queen's Guards are quick marching into 100-degree heat. And every one of them is hoping not to do this. All soldiers are prone to fainting, even the U.S. Marines. In fact, it's such a problem that the British Army is doing research on how to prevent it. Major Ian Parsons is an Army cardiologist. Standing for prolonged periods of time still, that puts you at increased risk. Now, if you add in heat to that, adds in further risk. Talk about adding heat. Take a look at this uniform. Woolen trousers, a heavy snug jacket done all the way up, and to top it all off... When are you going to put that on? Ooh, all right. That's bare fur. Frankly, it's a wonder this doesn't happen more often. So, how do these soldiers prepare? If you hydrate, wiggle your toes, if you eat and scoff in the morning, then you're fine. Translation, drink lots of water, eat your breakfast, and yes, that's right, wiggle your toes. It keeps the blood flowing 
and it doesn't show. The Army's research suggests that eating up to four times more salt than normal also helps. And so does exercising in the heat, which could be good advice for all kinds of people. People like policemen, um, people who are exposed to lots of heat, like firefighters, or people just on packed commuter trains, packed buses who don't have seats. If the Army does work out how to keep the Queen's guards upright, we all stand to benefit. Elizabeth Palmer, CBS News, London. Always remember, Barry, wiggle your toes. <laughs> Is that the key? That's the key. Um, One of the keys. Well, yeah. Okay, just yeah, I feel good. Good, I good. You're not going to faint. Good. No, no, no. It was uh, well, Canadian tennis fans. Feeling good about things because uh, Bianca Andreescu is on to the next round of the Yay! U.S. Open. Dennis Shapovalov's on court now, so we'll have highlights of uh, all that coming up. The Lions made a change in their uh, coaching staff, one and nine, maybe a little too little too late, but we'll mm-hmm. tell you about that as well. Pretty exciting day for Canadian tennis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really been fun. You know, really the last last few years, you know, like a decade ago, the Canadians had no right? chance in singles. Singles, maybe they win one match, but it's maybe doubles or something. Now we're in the mix. It's mm-hmm. fun, fun to watch. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, Canada's Bianchi uh, Andreescu, Bianchi. Bianca Andreescu has already won uh, two prestigious tournaments in 2019, Indian Wells and uh, the Rogers Cup in Toronto. The next step is to take a run at a major, and that's uh, what she's doing right now at the U.S. Open. Today, Andreescu moved into the fourth round at the U.S. Open with an impressive victory over former world number one uh, Caroline Wozniacki of Denmark. Andreescu did beat Wozniacki back in January uh, in New Zealand. That was the tournament where Andreescu burst onto the scene, making it to her first WTA Tour final. First set on serve, nice deep approach from Andrescu and the finish at net, two all in the first, now three all. Bianca continues the pressure, pounds the ground strokes, then another strong put away at the net. And then on break point, Andrescu loads up the return and she's up 4-3. And she will consolidate the whole big forehand winner from the baseline, leads 5-3, and she was really crushing the ball today. We'll load up the backhander this time and rip this one down the line. She takes the opening set, six games to four. This is on the main stadium, Arthur Ashe in New York, biggest tennis stadium in the, the world, seats about 20,000. Andreescu keeps the momentum going in the second using that fantastic drop shot, so well disguised. Now, it was three all, but then Andrescu responds. More deep ground strokes. Clean forehand winner here to the corner. Gets the break to lead 4-3. Andrescu had the entire arsenal of shots going today. Check out the angle on the forehand right here. Boy, that's too good. Sets up match point. Big serve. Another deep approach, and that... Sets up the easy put away at net as Bianca and rescues onto the fourth round. She will play upstart American Taylor Townsend in the round of 16 on Monday. Meanwhile, on the men's side, Dennis Shapovalov, Terry in Canadian colors, also trying to punch his ticket to the second week in New York, taking on Frenchman Gail Monfils. First set, Shapovalov, beautiful running forehand winner. We're on serve 4-4, goes to a tie break. Dennis will uh, come in on the short ball. Nice volley here to win the point. That's how you got to play in New York. More from Chapo. Deep ground strokes. Sets up another 
Bali at the net, and Dennis will take the first set. 7-6, nicely crafting those points against the veteran Monfils. But the second set also went to a tie break. This time it's Monfils who prevails as he will uh, rip the pass that Dennis can't handle. It's one set apiece. Third set, two great athletes. We were expecting spectacular points in this one on display here. Monfils getting to everything. But Shapovalov with the uh, awkward overhead, that is just in. And updated score, Monfils has just taken the third set 6-4, so Dennis has to win the last two to keep his U.S. Open alive. Back to the women, 15-year-old American Coco Goff taking on top seed and defending champ Naomi Osaka. Goff fell behind early and uh, really couldn't recover as Osaka hits the... Winner there to take the opening set 6-3 and then she really put the pedal down in the second set. Another big forehand winner and she rolls past the 15-year-old 6-3 and 6-love. The Lions are on a bye week, but they made news today firing offensive line coach Brian Chu. The Lions have surrendered a league-high 43 sacks in 10 games. Chu was just hired this year to join rookie head coach Devon Claybrooks. Former Lion player and coach Kelly Bates will take over for Chu. Lions uh, resume play next Friday in Montreal. They are a CFL worst 1-9. Well, the Seahawks made a major trade today just a week before they uh, kick off the NFL's regular season. They have acquired all-star defensive end Jadavion Clowney from the Houston Texans. Clowney and the Texans were at odds over what else? Money. And Clowney never did report to training camp, so it's a huge steal for Seattle. The Seahawks uh, didn't really have to give up much. Just a third-round pick along with linebacker Barcavius Mingo and defensive end Jacob Martin. Yard sack for Clowney. You're gonna see it on film. Yeah, we had to check it. That's a really good legal hit on that quarterback. Thank you. That was really good. Taking it straight ahead. So Clowney is 26 in the prime of his career. Was named to his third consecutive Pro Bowl last season. He finished uh, 2018 with 47 tackles, nine sacks, a forced fumble, and fumble recovery. He gives Seattle's defense a real difference maker. Should make quite the impact. Seahawks open their season next Sunday at home to the Cincinnati Bengals. Welcome back. The Whitecaps are back at home tonight against New York City FCs. The visitors are just a point out of first in the East, so it's a stern test for the Whitecaps, who are again dealing with a nasty schedule. They played Wednesday in Montreal, flew home Thursday, where NYCFC was waiting for them here in Vancouver. Fatigue may be a factor, but the Caps feel they can build off the Montreal game despite a 2-1 loss on the road. For the first 30 minutes against Montreal, I think you guys saw how good of a team we could be and you know, how much potential we do have when we you know, play in a system, we know what we're doing, and we, you know, we play it right. Um, I thought we came out firing. You know, unfortunately, it wasn't, we didn't go up 2-0, and you know, that's kind of been the story of our season. Um, but for those first 30 minutes, I thought we were very good, and we showed that we have some upside, yeah. MLS tonight, Toronto FC at New England Revolution. TFC tied for the final playoff spot in the East right now, and they get this goal from the Frenchman, Nicolas Benazet, who will head it into an empty net. Not going to score an easier one than that. 1-0 TFC, but they couldn't hold the lead. 86th minute, Gustavo Bow from distance that 
Should have been stopped by the Toronto keeper, but it goes in 1-1. It ends in a draw. That should be 1-1. But Toronto does move past Montreal and into seventh in the East with that point. English Premiership, 3-0 Liverpool visiting Burnley. Liverpool strike first thanks to a fortunate bounce. Trent Alexander-Arnold with a looping ball took a deflection off Chris Wood. It finds its way over the Burnley keeper. 1-0 Liverpool on the own goal. Four minutes later, a Liverpool on the attack. Sadio Mane will slot at home. 2-0 Liverpool at halftime. And then in the second half, Mosala looking dangerous, but actually loses the ball. But Roberto Firmino will step into it with the right foot. Liverpool wins it 3-0. They're a perfect 4-0, and they lead the standings with 12 points. Second place, Manchester City hosting Brighton just 12 minutes in, David Silva to Kevin De Bruyne, 1-0 City, and there was plenty more offense to come, as is often the case with Manchester City. They put on a clinic. Check out the attack here, just moving the ball so quickly and with precision. Sergio Aguero with all sorts of time to tee it up and blast one in to make it 2-0 Manchester City. And in the second half, they keep piling on, and again, it's Aguero making it look much easier than it is. Man City steamroll Brighton 4-0. City remain in second, two points back of Liverpool. Chelsea, a newcomer to the Premiership. Sheffield United, stumbling start this season for Chelsea under Frank Lampard. One win, one loss, one draw through three games, but Tammy Abram, Abrama's uh, second hole of, uh, goal of the opening half gave the uh, Blues a 2-0 lead. But Sheffield United weren't about to lay down. Opening moments of the second half, Callum Robinson gets them to within one. And then in the late moments, Robinson puts one into the box, takes a deflection off a Chelsea defender, Kurt Zuma. Chelsea blow a two-goal home lead, 2-2 the final today at Stamford Bridge. And one more to show you, Manchester United and... Southampton, United did have a one-goal lead, but Southampton equalized. Yannick Vestergaard elevates and heads it in. Ties at 1-1. That's the way it ends. Man United, bit of a slow start, just five points through four games. They are seventh place right now. Some golf from Portland this week for the Cambia Portland Classic. LPGA stop. Brooke Henderson's won this tournament twice already, and she's only 21. 14th hole, Brooke makes birdie. Gets it to 14 under, and after a bogey at 15, she will finish her round at 18 with a, another long birdie putt. She is tied for third at 14 under, five shots behind leader Yalimi No of the United States. And we'll finish off with a little baseball. Vladdy Guerrero and the Blue Jays taking on Houston today at Rogers Center. Third inning, Teoscar Hernandez with a two-run homer. Gives the Jays a 3-1 lead. And then in the fourth, one of their... Fantastic rookies, Kevin Biggio, former Vancouver Canadian, knocks his 12th homer of the season. Blue Jays beat one of the best in baseball, Houston Astros, 6-4 the final today in Toronto. Nice. There you go. All right. Thanks, Bray. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to go back to Yvonne and Squire mm-hmm. down at the PNE in just a minute. But first, cycling across BC to Alberta is a daunting task, even for the fittest adventurers. A father and daughter are challenging each other to push it to the limit. But here's the thing. The daughter is just six years old. It's not your typical father-daughter bike ride. More than 1,800 kilometers through some of Canada's most beautiful and challenging terrain. 
A lot of it was just trails, but some of it was roads and rough trails. It's been a dream for Abby Higgins and her dad Bob to bike the most western stretch of the transatlantic trail from Victoria to Lethbridge, and after a family tragedy, they decided the time was right. Abby lost her mom last December, and we started looking at just different ways to to live and uh, adventure, and this was something that I think we both wanted and needed to do. The two are no strangers to the active lifestyle. Bob competes in Ironman triathlons and takes Abby along for training whenever he can. Their journey started at mile zero of the Trans-Canada Highway in Victoria, averaging 50 kilometers a day, although the mountain passes slowed them down. And we went up 5,000 vertical feet inside of, inside of 17 kilometers. That was a long day. You know, Abby hiked it like a trooper. The most exciting and scary moments? Running into wildlife. First bear was huge beside the trail. Second bear was a little black bear. Our third bear was up in a tree. And our fourth bear we almost hit by inches. Like from me, let's say to the table. 44 days of cycling, camping, and staying with friends, the pair arrived back home in Lethbridge with a new appreciation for what's possible. We so grossly underestimate what we're capable of and our children are capable of, and you know, given the opportunity and the, the peer groups that you know, normalize athletic and healthy lifestyle behavior, it's, it's been fantastic for her. And when asked if the trip has turned Abby into a pro cyclist? My dad says I am, I don't know. Abby and her dad are already planning their next cycle adventure, this time from Central America to South America. Like Abigail's just about fluent in Spanish now from her Montessori school. And that and just uh, affinity for the culture down there, I think that would be really, really cool. Until then, this dynamic duo rides on. Michael King, Global News. Wow, oh, what a good dad. Nice mm-hmm. to see he sets the bar so low. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's great that she's uh, got that uh, open mind to go do things like that, that young. Yeah, what what a Mm -hmm. healing journey. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Uh, Let's check in with Yvonne and Squire now. He's still got the chicken skins. No, we went to dessert now. We went from chicken skins, and now these are from Waffles with Benefits. These are the apple ones. And, Colleen, I think Squire's going to take out a bite of this one. Yes, I'm quite happy with waffle skins, not with chicken skins. Okay, ready? See, the plus side is they both is, they both filled their mouths with good. food. <laughs> so Squire can't talk too much. <laughs> Thanks for I don't think this one's going to make good, it back the to the station, side. but the chicken skins will. Have a great night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye. It's fire!